Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The topic of contraception can be an overwhelming one. We know why you would use it, but there are almost as many methods as there are hours in the day. The most common forms of contraception, such as the pill and condoms, fall into the category of short-term or immediate. But did you know there are others that act in the same category? Joining us in the studio to take us through them is Dr. Sneha Wadwani, a GP and mum of two girls. Hi, Sneha. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Why do you class the pill or condoms as short-term forms of contraception, given that with the pill you normally have to take it at the same time every day. So it's short term in the sense that it it is something that has to be done daily or at the time of intercourse. And it only acts for as long as a day or for as long as you choose to use it, such as with condoms. <laughs> I just wanted to just, just to anyone who has no idea, <laughs> Sneha was saying that you, you don't take the pill as you're about to have sex. What she was talking no. about there was condoms. I just wanted to make that perfectly clear in case. Yes, please take your pill properly. <laughs> it doesn't work if you're just feeling the urge. And off you go. Um, does the pill affect fertility in the long term? So the pill, I think what people usually refer to as the pill is the standard combined oral contraceptive pill. Um, Of course, there are two types of pill. You've got the progesterone only pill, which women may use, for example, if they're breastfeeding or if they um, may not be able to take other estrogen therapy. Um, And then there's the standard combined pill, which has estrogen and progesterone in it. Now, that that version, the one with estrogen and progesterone, and indeed with the progesterone-only pill and long-term use of that, ovulation is suppressed. So with those methods, it can take a a while for ovulation to return once you've stopped using those methods of contraception. Now, in January, there was a story that was all over the news that the sugar pill is only part of the pill cycle because the Pope requested it. Is that <laughs> is that really true? I mean, do you have to take the sugar pill? No, you don't. And in fact, if you lived in Europe or in England, you wouldn't even have the sugar pills. Really? Yeah. So the pill packets in England tend not to have the sugar pills. Really, the sugar pills are there to help with what we call compliance. Okay. So what we know in England is our stats aren't great for unwanted or unplanned pregnancies in England. And this might be one of those, one of the factors. Um, the pill is a really highly used um, option for contraception. And it generally isn't used that well. Um, so the, the sugar pills are really just to get us into the habit of taking a pill every day. Uh, for, like I said, in, in England and in Europe, the, the pills in the packet, there is only 21 pills in the packet there. So you're relied upon to stop your pill on the last pill in the packet and then have a seven-day break and remember when to start the next one. God, that sounds crazy. <laughs> what are they thinking? <laughs> so with the dummy pills or the sugar pills, yeah. uh, you don't obviously have to remember anything because the packet is guiding you. So how does the pill actually work? So primarily it squashes your own hormone cycle because you are taking hormones from the outside in a tablet form. So your brain uh, and body think that there is plenty of hormone so your ovaries basically stop producing any. So the upshot of that is because the ovaries stop producing hormone, they stop producing eggs as well. 
You just mentioned that um, when women are breastfeeding, they might choose to use a progesterone-only pill. Why is that? Because oestrogen gets into the bloodstream and across through the milk. Uh, So... If that's the case, and for example, you have a little boy, you don't really want him getting small doses of oestrogen, otherwise he might end up more like a little girl. <laughs> really? <laughs> Look, it's it's probably a very trace amount, but it's not recommended to take oestrogen during breastfeeding for that reason. Okay. And does it, I mean, obviously, there's a certain amount of oestrogen you have as a girl, so you don't Absolutely. want extra oestrogen Absolutely. Either. Absolutely. Um, and that idea that many people have that breastfeeding is its own contraceptive. Shaking your head. I know, I know. I have heard of how people go, oh, I'm fine. Oh, no, I'm not fine. I'm having Irish twins. Um, (laughs) You would recommend that if you're breastfeeding and you want to stop uh, another pregnancy that you would go on a progesterone-only pill. Yeah, absolutely. So for a lot of women, the progesterone-only pill is a convenient, easy way to take contraceptive cover um, in the sort of early weeks after, you know, you've had your six-week check, you're feeling perhaps maybe or maybe not a little (laughs) bit more human. Um, But, uh, you know, you want to take something that's easy. You're not ready to have anything invasive like a long-acting reversible contraceptive. um, And this is easy to do. The only downside with the progesterone-only pill is that you do have to take it within the same two hours every day. So it's not like the combined oral contraceptive pill that has oestrogen and progesterone where you've got a 12-hour window. Having said that, most women who are breastfeeding, the baby's on some kind of vague schedule, even in the early days. And so they're usually up at a certain time or round about that. So they know they can take their pill accurately. What about diaphragms and condoms? Obviously, these are the most immediate um, form of contraception because you have to use it during um, intercourse. Can these products expire um, in terms of their use-by date, or is that a myth? No, they can do, certainly. They, they are made out of latex generally, and they will biodegrade over time. Yes, it's probably a long time before they do biodegrade significantly, but the biggest reason for these devices failing is user error, really. So m- the male condom classically is because it doesn't go on at the beginning and it doesn't come off at the end. It usually <laughs> goes on somewhere halfway through and comes off way before it's meant to. Mm. Um so that's often the reason why condoms fail. Uh, the fe- the female diaphragm um, can be a useful device for women in their perimenopause, for example, or women who've just had a baby who don't, you know, they aren't too bothered if if they fall pregnant. Yes, in an ideal world, they might not like to straight away, but um, they could, you know, they could cope with it and it wouldn't be the end of the world. So for, for them, and the reason it's good in the perimenopausal group is because that their chances of falling pregnant are quite low anyway. Um, so for example, if they're in there, if they're 50 or in the early 50s haven't quite stopped having their periods yet though there is a risk of them falling pregnant the quality of their eggs and such is probably going to make it quite unlikely so they may choose to use something like the diaphragm 
Now, I have absolutely no understanding of diaphragms. In my whole life, it was always just talk about condoms or pills. Um, how does a diaphragm work and is there any risk of toxic shock syndrome? So with the diaphragm, generally, there isn't a risk of toxic shock syndrome unless it's left up there and forgotten about. Uh, but if it's used as per instruction, it's removed after intercourse. So generally speaking, the risk, therefore, of toxic shock doesn't arise. Having said that, my caveat earlier was if you leave it in too long, you forget about it, any foreign body up there could, could really cause some kind of infection and, and toxic shock. Now, we have here to talk about natural method contraception. What on earth is that? <laughs> so natural method contraception is where women may track their cycle. So it's kind of like trying for a baby, but in reverse. Right. Okay. So you're trying to detect temperature changes, mucus changes, tracking your cycle really to work out what's happening in your body at the time that you ovulate and avoiding that fertile time. How effective is that? I've got to say that actually falling pregnant, this may not, this is absolutely not scientifically proven, but we used an app and both times we fell pregnant. So obviously there were a lot of things going on there. But if someone is very in tune with their body, is it effective? Look, it's only ever, um, you know, as effective as as the body is. And, and the thing I think, you know, it goes back to even patients coming to see me saying, I've had a funny period. Why has it happened? The body isn't perfect. So, you know, even though we might track the cycle and find that we ovulate on day 14, 11 months of the year, on that 12th month, it might not happen. You know, it might happen differently. It might happen on day 12. It might happen on day 20. So, generally speaking, it's not considered a reliable form of contraception. But, Women, for example, who are in the perimenopause, um, you know, or have had the menopause may use these methods that, that, you know, aren't as safe as, say, if you were 17 or 21 uh, or even in your 30s. Um, and, and, you know, that may be an acceptable risk for them to take. But for most people who want a proper contraception, the natural method isn't that great. Stupid question. So if you've gone through menopause... Can you still fall pregnant? No, you can't. But the problem is women fall into this sort of grey area. So the menopause really is only officially diagnosed when you haven't had a period for a year. So in that year, uh, you see. might be very suspicious that you're menopausal, but you might not know for definite. Okay, so when I saw natural contraception on our list of things to talk about, I did think you were talking about the withdrawal method. <laughs> No. <laughs> so natural method is different to the withdrawal method. The withdrawal method is basically starting to have intercourse and then your partner pulling out before ejaculation. Now, this isn't very effective at all. <laughs> I would say it's used a lot. It is used a lot. It is used a lot. And, and uh, it's a miracle we don't see more pregnancies <laughs> on it, actually, or perhaps we do. Um Really, the reason it's not effective is because there are secretions that are released before orgasm, before ejaculation, that contain sperm. So if you're just waiting to the just before, well, you might have already fallen pregnant before or might have already conceived before that. If there are any men listening, they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sneha, thanks for coming in. That was Dr. Sneha Widwani, and Sneha has spoken to us here on Feed, Play, Love in previous episodes about various forms of contraception, and you can find them in your podcast feed wherever you see Sneha's name, or just head to our website and search Sneha, that's S N. 
E-H-A, and our website is babyology.com.au forward slash feedplaylove. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.